0: people. Welcome to the Glorious and the Mundane podcast. I'm your host, Christy Knuckles. Happy October to you. I hope you're enjoying some fall weather like we have been. The girls and I even went for our annual pumpkin pick this past Saturday, which is not really going to a pumpkin patch anymore. We did that a lot when they were kids. But the pumpkin patches here in Franklin are like slammed. I mean, you couldn't get in if you even wanted to. And if you did, There's like one million toddlers running all around you, and all those toddlers get in there and they get all the pumpkins first. That's just how it is. We've learned it. So we go to like a little, you know, like vegetable stand, but it's still awesome. We still love it, and we adorned our porch with all things fall. And instead of mums this past year, I don't really know. I'm telling you this. I'll send you a picture. But we did these gigantic ornamental cabbages. And I just think they're the most beautiful colors of lavender and deep purples. And then we're, you know, like grown up now. Like our kids are getting like to be teenagers of teenage girls. They wanted all the pretty pumpkins. They didn't want like the, you know, orange pumpkin with the weird clown face painted on it. (laughs) They wanted all like the white pumpkins and the minty green ones and the, you know, like some soft faded orange ones. And it was really fun, I have to say. I love it, and every time I go outside, I just marvel at God's creativity, the soft white pumpkins and purple cabbage that look like flowers. It's just beyond. And of course, the falling leaves on top, it's just the right touch. Okay, I'll stop. Anyway, I really will probably post a picture that, so that you can be inspired by all the beauty falling around us in this season. It's a good thing. Just look out for it. Well, I wanted to say thank you to all of you who reached out to me about how much the episode last week about Blue Skies Ministries ministered to you. I knew that the Holy Spirit was in that one, and He was going to do work even beyond how he's taking care of Blue Skies Ministries, but he was gonna do work in so many hearts, and it has come true. I've had so many people reach out. If you missed that episode, be sure to not miss it. I mean it when I say that it's in the top five all-time favorites since I've even started this podcast. Blue Skies is a ministry that exists to share the love of Christ to families who are battling pediatric cancer. The unique way they do this is that they provide beach retreats for families who have kids in treatment, and they rely on us, the body of Christ, to come and serve these families. For instance, if you and your family volunteered, you would raise your funds just like you would for any domestic mission trip, and that money actually goes to pay for a guest family who has a child in treatment for cancer to enjoy a week together as a family at the beach. So it's been our family's joy for the past decade to get to sing the name of Jesus over these families from all walks of life, many who actually don't know the Lord, but what a joy to be able to see just how open they are to the Lord, even because of what they're walking through and to be able to offer the hope of Jesus to them in that moment, it's just so beautiful. I just wanted to remind you that I'm asking you guys to give along with me to come around Blue Skies and help them weather the storm that COVID caused financially. Our goal is to help them reach $100,000 to cover operating costs this year. That's just a 1,000 of us giving $100. And our hope is to get Blue Skies back on their feet so that we can all go back to camp together in the future and be the hands and feet of Jesus for these families. If you know someone who might be able to give a kind of a big amount to Blue Skies, we would love that and would love for you to pass this along to them if you think they would have a heart for it. Also, if you give $100 or more, you might remember you'll be automatically entered into a giveaway where there will be three winners. If your name's chosen, you'll get a lovely basket full of some of my favorite things from Franklin, as well as a lovely Glorious in the Mundane coffee mug, which is still one of my favorites, and a Glorious in the Mundane sweatshirt from our online store. And also, when we have books in hand, you will get a signed copy of my new book called The Life You Long For that releases in February. You can just go right now, even. You can pause this. Go to blueskiesministries.org. And you can give at the top right-hand corner. Well, I'm super excited about our guest today. I think what Margaret has to share is truly meaningful and needed. So I'm pumped for you to hear that conversation today. But before we do that, I want to get into Psalm 119 together. Can you believe that we've made it this far and that we started in the same timeline really as the whole pandemic God knew that I would need the grounding power of His Word during this time, and I hope that you felt the same about it. We are now 15 sections into this acrostic, and I feel like we've been on a journey. (laughs) We will actually make it through 22 sections by Christmas. I'll actually have to double up a couple of times on the sections, but it feels amazing to keep journeying, doesn't it? And just to follow through with what we started and how it has carried us through this crazy season. So let's go for it again today. Our Hebrew letter for this episode is the letter Samech. The root of the word Samech means to lean upon, to uphold or support. And if you look at the letter that Ellie drew and painted for us, you'll see that it's an endless circle. This is said to represent the Lord's encompassing and endless support to those who continue to look to Him and trust in Him. So I love this. Our letter for the last episode, you might remember, was the letter Nun or Noon. You might remember that it has two forms, one that is bent over or bowed down in humility. And then the final form is that it's standing upright. And the message was that those who humble themselves before the Lord, bowing their lives before Him, he will cause them to stand upright. He will lift them up. Well, along these same lines, since you read the Hebrew alphabet from right to left rather than left to right, if you place the letter nun and samek together, you get the word ness, which means miracle. So, when you combine a humble heart with the Lord's encompassing support, you get a miracle. You experience the supernatural. Isn't that beautiful? Well, you know me, my whole life's message is living from rest. And the entire secret to truly living from rest is to look to God every day of our lives and to choose to trust Him, to commit our way to Him, to bow our way to Him. It's a life of humility and surrender. It's why we shouldn't be surprised that even the letters in the Hebrew language over and over all point to humility and surrender. It's because the results of humility and surrender is the Lord's encompassing support. It's an invitation into the supernatural, quite honestly. I don't mean paranormal activity, but it's about having access to a strength that is not our own. It's about relinquishing our tendency to exert our own strength in this life and instead yield to God's. This invites a miracle into our lives to live from the supernatural love and power and strength of God Almighty. Isaiah 40, 31 says, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. I think this looks like us saying, God, I'm not going to even move without you today. I humble myself to look to you and wait on you. And in this, our strength will be renewed. And that word renewed here, I love this, in the original language, it carries this idea that our strength is literally replaced or substituted. Some people even say exchanged. Isn't that beautiful? When we wait upon the Lord, His strength becomes our very own. The rest of that verse says that we'll mount up with wings like eagles. Will run and not be weary. Will walk and not faint. That sounds like the all-encompassing strength and support of God, doesn't it? We become a walking miracle when we trust Him, when we wait on Him, when we humble ourselves before Him. We get to yield to His all-encompassing, endless strength and supply. We see this in another acrostic psalm, which is Psalm 145, 14-16, and this is the section of Psalmach in this acrostic, and we see this verse. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. This is actually one of my favorite passages of Scripture. The eyes of all who look to you, all those who look to God, He will show Himself to be a provider in the proper time. And then verse 16, it goes beyond that. It says that He will open up His hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. Now, hear me say this doesn't mean that if we look to God that everything is going to turn out exactly like we planned. If anything, truth be told, as you and I well know, things still don't turn out as planned a lot of the time. I talk about this in my book constantly. One of my favorite podcast episodes ever as well was when I had my sweet friend, Lauren Tomlin, on the podcast. And you might remember she was so vulnerable and honest with us about God thwarting her own plans, even in what she thought marriage was going to look like. Yet all in all, it was this invitation slipped underneath the door of her heart to draw closer to God and ultimately for her and her husband Chris to draw closer to God and to each other, this is hope for all of us, that even in disappointment and things not going as planned, especially when we feel sidelined and even we feel like God isn't in tune with our desires, this is when we need to press in all the more, bent down in humility, surrendering those very desires, knowing that He has something miraculous for us to receive as we lay it down. And remember, the miraculous can sometimes be disguised in really small, mundane moments, exchanges and conversations that change us forever, that cause us to grow deeper and deeper into who God is and who He's made us to be, and deeper with each other, with those that God has brought around us. You know what? I feel led even right now, chances are, each of you who are listening, you have something that you know you need to surrender, that you know you need to release and trust God with. Maybe it's a nagging worry about finances. Maybe it's a diagnosis that feels so big, like a part-time job for you to manage and stay ahead of. Maybe it's your marriage, and all that you thought this union was going to be has not played out, and you're disappointed. It might be a broken friendship, or maybe you just feel far from God, separated from Him somehow. And it's been a minute since you just talked to Him and just paused to trust Him. Whatever He's bringing to your mind even now, I trust that the Holy Spirit is faithful and He's bringing it to the forefront of your heart even now. And if you're somewhere where you can, just open up your hands as a symbol and a picture to God of where your heart is, open to Him. And would you just say to Him, God, I choose to trust you with this. Name what it is. And to use His own word, which I know He loves it when we do this, pray Psalm 37, four through six. God, as I release this to you, I fully trust you with it. Help me to be able to delight in you today and believe that your word is true when you say that if we delight ourselves in you, that you will give us the desires of our heart, you'll show us what our desires are. And I'll add to that, trusting Him even includes us releasing to God what we think our desires even are. You actually have some that He's put in you that you don't even know about yet. He's the great desire and dream giver. And all our desires and dreams that we come up with are less than compared to His heart for us. So just think in that surrender and laying down of what we think we want, He's offering so much more. Would you be willing to even go as far as saying, God, I accept that you might even be thwarting something that I keep forcing? Maybe it's out of a need to control. I get that. I've been there. I do it all the time. And maybe say, God, I ask your forgiveness for not only not trusting you, but trying to exert my own strength in a place where you want my strength to be exchanged with yours. Thank him for his love over you. Thank him for his care, his provision yet to come. Thank him for his willingness to meet you right where you are right now, today. And even though circumstances might not change, that you're going to be transformed, and that's what He wants. More than anything that we could be doing or any external thing, He is most concerned and looking toward who we're becoming. And instead of striving around what we're supposed to be building, would you surrender yourself to be built by Him, living stones being made into a spiritual house that welcomes others into your familiar with the Father, As you stay in that prayerful and humble and surrendered posture, this is the word of the Lord over us today. This is Psalm 119, 113 through 120. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Depart from me, you evildoers, that I may keep the commandments of my God. Uphold me according to your promise that I may live, and let me not be put to shame in my hope. Hold me up that I may be safe and have regard for your statutes continually. You spurn all who go astray from your statutes, for their cunning is in vain. All the wicked of the earth you discard like dross. Therefore, I love your testimonies. My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your judgments." So there's some strong verbiage here that we have to embrace, isn't there? The psalmist is getting to the point in the song where it seems like he is more resolved than ever. He's using strong words like hate and spurn and tremble. He is determined that there's no other way in this life but to hope in the Word of God. I love how he starts with, I hate the double-minded. The first thing I thought about was how many times I catch myself being double-minded which is why it's so important to pause like we just did before and release all the noise and the chatter in our minds so that we can remember what is true. We say we believe in the power of the Word of God, but to really walk in it and not literally be talking out of both sides of our mouth, we've got to be single-minded. There's a rest and a sanity that comes to our lives when we are able to focus and strive for being single-minded, Hebrews 4 tells us if there's anything that we're supposed to strive for, it's rest. And to do that, we have to be single minded, wholeheartedly resolved that our minds must be renewed daily of who God is and who we are because of who God is and the power and the gift that is His Word. I hope a minute ago, if you were able to pause or when you maybe do that later on, that you sense verse 114 to be true that God is your hiding place and your shield. You are not alone, and you do have a refuge. You do have a protector and a provider. I do want to touch on verse 120 because I believe it's important to talk about this yet again. It says, My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your judgments. We've talked a little bit about this recently, and I shared with you even what John Bebeer had shared with Nathan and I this past summer, and it gave us such a desire to... And bite the fear of the Lord more into our lives, not the spirit of fear, but the fear of the Lord. There's a huge difference. John had shared with us that it's the love of God that keeps us from legalism, meaning when we truly begin to live from His love and own it for our lives, we drop the rigid performing and striving to rest in His love over us. But we can't stop there because if we only focus and get comfy with God's love, we might start to believe that we can get away with anything. We might think, what's the point? If He loves me, He'll forgive me. So I'm just gonna do what feels good right now and ask Him to forgive me later. Well, this leads me to the other side of this. And this is what verse 120 is saying. And John Bevere shared this with Nathan and I this past summer and it just like shed light on something that we didn't even know we were needing more of. But he was saying, just as the love of God keeps us from legalism, it's the fear of the Lord that keeps us from lawlessness. This is why the psalmist says radical things. It's because, like that farmer's insurance commercial, he knows a thing or two because he's seen a thing or two. He says in verse 115, "...depart from me, you evildoers, that I may keep the commandments of my God." David was no stranger to sin and breaking God's commandments. So this is why I believe he is so adamant on sticking with the way of the Lord. I've loved reading John Eldridge's book called Get Your Life Back. And one of the things he talks about is how the love of God is unconditional. But the presence of God is conditional. And that goes for both ways, us being able to enter into it and Him showing up in the mundane moments of our lives. It's conditional. Psalm 24, 4-6 through six says, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in His holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from their God. Such is the generation of those who seek Him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. And I'm going to keep reading here because this is a vivid reminder of how worthy God is of our awe and our allegiance, even our fear and trembling. This is King David here again declaring Lift up your heads, you gates, be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. I hope, in tandem with you opening your hands to surrender your worries and longings to God today, that you can also let your senses be filled with the truth that God is simply otherly. He's worthy of gates being lifted and something called ancient doors being opened that His glory might come in. Scholars aren't exactly sure what the language around this text really means, as in, was this a physical ceremony when David was king, when they possibly brought the Ark of the Covenant back to the temple after it had been taken out to lead the army in battle? That's a scenario. Maybe it was, which is incredible to think about, but all in all, it's still pointing to something that we have to reconcile with in the spiritual realm, that there is a righteous judge of this earth who reigns over us with wisdom and power. He is strong and mighty, mighty in battle. He is far above us. He is the King of glory and the Lord Almighty. As Spurgeon said, such awareness of this should make us cry for cleansed thoughts, hearts, and ways. But I believe that all in all, this generation has forgotten how to tremble before Him. And I hope it starts with you and me with clean hands and a pure heart. First John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So along with looking to Him and trusting Him, we confess our sin, whatever it is. We can even ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to us. And Second Chronicles 16, 9 promises that He's on the edge of His seat looking for those whose hearts will turn to Him in this way. He wants to bestow blessing and vindication. It's His heart. He wants to flood us with His presence. He's just looking for a generation who will seek Him. Psalm 25, 14 says, The Lord confides in those who fear Him. He makes His covenant known to them. The ESV says, The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him. Seriously, how precious is that? Spurgeon said about this verse on fearing the Lord, he said, love in the previous verse is quite consistent with fear in this verse. He's referring to verse 119, where the psalmist said just before this, therefore, I have loved your testimonies. And Spurgeon's comparing that now to be consistent with, my flesh trembles for fear of you, and I'm afraid of your judgments. He's placing these in the same breath, where he says, Fear that contains torment here is cast out. Instead, this is like a fear that a child has for one's father that only leads to reverence and obedience. It's a holy love that says, I would never wanna do anything to disappoint you. This is the secret to enduring in this life. It's the secret to longevity and staying steadfast. It's an awareness of God's holiness so much that you tremble, That's coupled with this holy love, one that compels you to obey. Have you ever just trembled in God's presence? I have like literally something in my guts has almost like physically been shaken before and trembled when the Lord reminds me and gives me an awareness of the brightness and the glory of His holiness. If you haven't had that in a while, ask the Lord for it today Is another part of that heart open, hands open prayer I'm just afraid that you and I are living in a culture where we've reduced Jesus to a teacher who loved people. And He did do that. But it feels as if we've started to place ourselves side by side with Him and as if our own small love looks anything like His unconditional love and as if being loved by God unconditionally is all there is. No, you and I and every human being on the planet still have to come to grips with the fact that Jesus is the King of glory and the Lord Almighty is His name. He is holy, holy, holy. He is the one who was and is and is to come. He is the perfect Lamb of God who shed His precious blood for the atonement of our sin. And it's only in repentance, which is a turning from our sin, and the surrender of the Lordship of our lives to Him that we get the full picture and the experience of the friendship and the fear of knowing Jesus. When we begin to fear the Lord and we stand in awe of His unconditional love all the more. And vice versa, we can't fully experience the depths of His love or invite others into it, for that matter, unless we face His holiness and even fear His judgments. Ecclesiastes 12, 13, 14 says, Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. <laughs> it's Ecclesiastes for you. It says, Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Again, we're holding the love of God and the fear of God here together, and I think it's the right place to be. I don't know about you, but it makes me stand in awe of Jesus all the more that He made a way for you and me by His precious blood to put all our spiritual weight on Him to put all our eggs in His basket, all our hope in His righteousness, because there is a coming day when every hidden thing will come into the light. And I don't know about you, but I want to bow now in this life so that in Christ, I will be able to spiritually stand upright in the end, even if I'm physically face down in that moment. Whew! Well, I'm so happy to welcome Margaret Feinberg back to the podcast today, and I will tell you that I really think that you're going to want to hear about her new book. It's called More Power to You, Declarations to Break Free from Shame and Take Back Your Life. I'm actually looking forward to a copy of this for myself, but also to get one for each of my kids because these declarations, which by the way, each have a corresponding lie that opposes them, are such a beautiful tool to living From the bullseye, like I talk about all the time as God's child, these are things that only the children of God are allowed to proclaim, and we need to know in these days more than ever what we can proclaim and declare and the truth that is available to us in God's Word and how we can declare it not only to ourselves, but in the face of the enemy of our soul, but then also, most importantly, as a confession to God Since confession is not only about admitting and turning from our sin, but it's also about believing and walking and declaring the promises that are ours to declare. It's a confession that you believe that God is who He says He is, and because of that, you are who He says you are. So I hope you enjoy this powerful conversation with my friend, Margaret Feinberg. Hey, Margaret, how are you doing?
1: Oh friend, I so the <laughs> the right answer is the Christian F-word which is I'm fine. <laughs> but <laughs> it has been quite a season my friend. I mean it is it has been quite a season, all of the change, all of the pivoting, all of the navigation, all of the postponements and cancellations and uncertainty. And, and I'll just be honest, like I, I know that the Christian answer is like, everything's great. But just to be honest, like, it's been hard. It's been hard. And you and I, I think we know each other well enough to just say, hey, man, this, this is a rough and tumble season.
0: Yeah, we just kind of prayed through that right before we started. <laughs> it's it's good and I love it because we have to be able to like go beyond the, you know, I'm fine thing. And we did. We went right there, didn't we? And it's great to have people that you can do that with and it feels like in this ministry world, um I do have those people and you have always been one of those. I think I've sat beside you at many dinner things with lots of talking people all around us and We went pretty deep. So it's a joy to have you back for Mm -hmm. sure and get to just know about what's going on in your world, number one, just personally, but also just what God has been stirring in you. You are always just a wealth of um, just being able to kind of dive into what God has given us in His Word and what we can claim, what we can declare, and It's what this new book that you um, have coming out is all about. And I have to say, it's called More Power to You, Declarations to Break Free from Fear and Take Back Your Life. But all morning, I've been singing the Petra song. You know this. Do you know that Petra, back in the 80s, had a song called More Power to You? More power to you when
1: you're standing on his word. Do you remember this? I don't. This is amazing. (laughs) I want to. I need this back in my life.
0: (laughs) Okay, I wrote down the lyric for you. More power to you. This is the chorus. When you're standing on His Word, when you're trusting with your whole heart in the message you have heard, more power to you when we're all in one accord. They that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew. They shall renew their strength. I mean, I sang this in youth choir. It It was a hit
1: in the Baptist. Church. Wow, wow! I had you have just enriched my day, my week, my month. Uh, The news that this book is releasing—I had no idea. Oh my goodness! You, you you should maybe get with Petra.
0: They're probably maybe looking for some times to like, you know, mix it
1: up and do some live shows. I mean. You never know. You never know. I know. Margaret Feinberg and Petra coming to a city near you with, with Christy Knuckles, our opening, ba- yeah, all the things.
0: I would be, I mean, beside myself to open up for Petra and you. So I had to tell you that.
1: I love it. I love it. Thank you. So I,
0: I, I really actually did want to know, like, if by some chance you grew up on Petra and you were like yeah more power to you like I've always wanted to write a book with that title I mean I really truly anyway Um, (laughs) tell me though what did inspire this it's such I'm excited because it is just such a practical tool and that's what we need right to live out um, the themes that are in scripture it's like we need these Mm -hmm. hands-on ways to okay but seriously how do I do that so Tell me what inspired this, and then I would just love to know a little bit more about how you think even where we're at now in our world, how it's even more relevant. Because you wrote this pre-pandemic, right?
1: Yeah. Yes. And and Christy, I just feel like, and I know with your book as well, I feel like, I mean, I know it's not that shocking for listeners, but like, God knew this was coming. And it's really interesting because if you look in the season, all the books that are releasing from traditional publishers, it's important to know these were in the system, you know, 18 months, two years ago, long before any news of a pandemic was on the horizon. And when you look at the messaging that God stirred in so many of his followers and saints, it is remarkable. It is, yeah. it's, it's not that, I mean, there are a couple of books that are just dropping real quick, specifically about the pandemic. Obviously that wasn't in the works, but so many speaking to this moment. Uh, I know Chris, your new book does as well. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, a couple of years ago, I just reached a place where it was just, it was just hard. And I was just caught in this world where I was just discouraged. My thought life was out of control. Um, I just, I wasn't really seeing a way forward. And I remember sitting down with my friend Chris and we were having lunch. My husband was there and and he looked across the table and he looked at me and he said, Margaret, I don't know when or where it's happened, but somewhere along the way, you have made agreements with the universe that are not true. Wow. Whew yeah I mean, you talk about a mic drop moment, and part of me was like, Um Chris, agreements with the universe like that's a little woo woo, but as I thought about it and I thought about what I was thinking about, I realized he was right, and worse than making agreements with the universe i was I was making Agreements with that which was not true. I was making agreements with with actually, I think, the the accuser of the saints. My thoughts weren't like like good and beautiful and true. They were self-destructive and self-sabotaging. And I remember I came home and I just sat in a room and I pulled out a sheet of paper and I just said, Holy Spirit, I just want to know. I want to know what agreements have I been making that are not true. And I just started writing them down. And there were these big, hot, wet tears streaming down my face Mm -hmm. when I realized How much darkness I had been allowing into my mind and heaping upon myself. And and I just said, Jesus, I'm going to cling to your scripture the fact that, you know, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, I have the right to break every agreement, you know, that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And, 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 and as I did this, I realized, I started to think, well, how do these even become part of me? And part of it was like, we all have thoughts that fly by our minds, kind of like a bird flying by your head. And you can't control those, but, but those thoughts, those birds, it it was like they came near and, and at first I acknowledged them. And, and then I kind of made room for them in my life. And then I came into agreement with those thoughts. And that's an important spiritual threshold to cross because you're not just coming into agreement with that thought you're you're coming in agreement with again the enemy the the accuser the one who stands against and opposes god and all of his goodness and and in that place i just started saying man lord i want to break all of these agreements but but it's not just taking out negative thoughts it's not just being aware of them like i need to know I need to know the truth. I need to ground myself in that which is, you know, full of life and, and joy and your truth. And and so I just started going the scripture, and just making a list of daily power declarations. And, and I just began writing them out, and and I just started carving out about ninety seconds a day to say them out loud, wow. and they are they are declarations like this. Jesus is king of my life. I am who Christ says I am. I take every thought captive. I break every agreement that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. My purpose is to love, serve, glorify, and enjoy God forever. I am filled with the Holy Spirit, the same power that resurrected Christ from the dead lives in me. And as I began doing this, I mean, Christy, it was probably three days later, and we've shared meals with my precious six-foot-eight husband, Leif. My husband walks Mm. in, and he looks at me, and he says, Margaret, you are lighter and freer than I have seen in months. And I don't think, you know, we talk about the importance of God's word. We talk about what we think about, what we believe. But there is something that when you take this deeply rich biblically based list of, of declarations that are wit, written in just a great rhythmic poetic way but you start proclaiming them out loud you're not just proclaiming them number 1 to yourself right so all of a sudden the the little thoughts that you know that that beam into our life like you know my situation will never improve you know um the idea that it's, you know, it's only a matter of time until the other shoe drops. When I start to declare these truths, then all of a sudden I become more hyper aware of the false things I'm believing. At the same time, I'm saying them to myself, but it's not just to myself. I'm also saying it to the enemy, to the accuser of the saints and saying, uh-uh, I am not aligning with you. I'm not coming into agreement with you. You don't get one square inch in my life. But then you're not just saying it, the enemy and yourself, you're saying it to God. And you're saying, God, I'm aligning myself. I'm coming into agreement with who you are, what you say about me, the deepest reality that, that 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 exists, that is found in you. And I'm not just saying it to myself and the enemy to God, but I'm also saying it out loud because there is a shift that is happening in our brains. And brain scientists and neuroplasticity will tell us that when we when we attach to one of those negative, you know, those negative thoughts, like this is just going to be a disaster, you know. Um, uh you know maybe the world is a dangerous scary place you know we go to that thought if we go there enough we built super highways in our brains that we just keep going back to that place and, and God you know says we can be actually renew our minds and that's not just a, a command by Paul that's a spiritual and physiological reality that when we start saying okay I'm not just gonna go to that default negative thought but I'm gonna create a new neuroplasticity a new pathway in my brain to this truth of who God is, who he says I am, and and look at that and and begin declaring that, then suddenly that becomes our new default. Mm. And that is just such a place of life and rejuvenation. Mm. And it's just, it's an easy, practical tactic. And, And man, none of us right now have a ton of time. It's a hard season, but to start pushing back and saying, you know what? I have been playing defensive long enough and I am ready to play on God's offensive team again.
0: Wow. So I think a lot of times it's, you know, we're not identifying places that we are, like, what is coming against us and then what we've come into agreement with, like you said, which is such a, this is a deeper step. Um, So walk us through some of these intentional devotions and so that we kind of get a taste of what this could look like for us every morning. I love it that, again, it's just something
1: we can come back to over and over yeah, I love that. So first of all, as far as the daily declarations, um, so each one is tied to a devotional. So then you kind of unpack mm-hmm. and the devotional really looks at kind of like what lie that we're believing. And, and I think that lie is, a, the word lie is a little bit of a, a violent word. I, 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 might, I might like the word false belief because mm-hmm. these are really sneaky. Uh, yeah. A lot of these are not. This is this isn't like the '80s or '90s, like the lies you once believed. Mm-hmm. This is stuff that's kind of part of our culture, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, like we we kind of think, oh, it's only a matter of time until the other shoe drops. I mean, how many of us, especially in this season, think that? Or you know, we quietly think, or we go on social media and we think, oh, they have it so much better than me. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, maybe we think we wrestle with imposter syndrome and thinking, I'm a fraud. Or we think, you know what, I'm, I'm just ugly as I grow older. and Or I'm a failure. Or I don't have anything more to give. Or maybe we start to believe, I'm a has-been. And, and these things start to slip into our thinking. And what these devotionals do is not only empower you with the declarations and, and affirmations to say out loud to break free, but really to start to explore kind of of, of where did this slip in? What, what, yeah. what has caused this? Um, I know for me, one of the the things that I, you know, have wrestled with a lot of my life and, and I'm sure there's some listeners out there and maybe you have too, uh, Christy is that sense that, you know, I, I just kind of, I really need to work to make people happy. I, I don't mm-hmm. know if you've ever wrestled with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but but i think that there is kind of like this sense that a lot of us wrestle uh, with this i call it a degenerative condition known as spostaitis and and <laughs> You know, we wrestle, we don't even realize it. Um, But it can take so many forms. You know, I'm supposed to arrive early. I'm supposed to stay late. I'm supposed to volunteer for the extra project at work. I'm supposed to bake the 79 cupcakes from scratch for the class. Um, And underneath it is this, I'm supposed to be all things to all people. Mm -hmm. And, and the issue is they supposed to make us cranky because underneath each one is this desire to people please and the list of people to please, it never ends, whether it's employers or colleagues or teachers or coaches or friends or neighbors or parents or in-laws or spouses or children or the board members or the book club buddies and on and on and Mm -hmm. on. And I think one of the reasons that this people pleasing, I know for me, but for many of us, it's so tempting. Is because how often we confuse it with kindness. Mm-hmm. And so when someone asks for a favor, even when it's a great cost or inconvenience, sometimes we agree because we think it's the right thing to do or right. we don't wanna appear selfish. But underneath that eagerness to please, if I'm really honest, and we all are, I think, I think a lot of times it comes down to issues of self worth. You know, saying yes makes us feel accepted or liked or needed. But too much people-pleasing leads to that feeling of being overwhelmed by all we have to do, resentment toward others, and even being taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you're in that place even right now where you pretend to agree with people, where you have to feel like you're carrying the responsibility for how other people feel, maybe you're out there and you're trying to avoid conflict at all costs or refusing to admit when your feelings have been hurt. Mm-hmm. but. The good news is that through the power of the Holy Spirit, a cure exists, and that we can break free from this addiction to people-pleasing. We can begin asking the Holy Spirit for His presence and wisdom, practicing saying no to a simple request, and then working our way up to bigger ones. We can start to cultivate an awareness of the kinds of peoples and situations and circumstances that kind of trigger our supposed to itis and be prepared to offer an alternative response. Maybe even just saying, hey, I just need to think about that for a day or two, or right now that's just beyond my margins. And what's amazing is that when we start to do this, we start to break free from this kind of thinking, we secretly discover almost miraculously that the whole world can function without us. (laughs) and and our aim of life is to be a god pleaser not a people pleaser pleaser and you know it is rooted in scripture for it's in him that we live and we move and we find our being and so we don't have to be the happiness factory for our entire family or office or neighborhood or church or friend group we can begin letting it go and begin declaring my purpose is to serve god Hmm. And that begins setting us free and helping us become aware of those times where we're giving away what we don't have to give away, or worse, giving away the other people and priorities in our lives that we hmm. really shouldn't be.
0: Hmm. So that's the yep. declaration My that goes with that. My purpose
1: is to serve is that, God. I don't have to be a people pleaser. Yeah. I don't have to run the happiness factor yeah, factory yeah. for the whole universe. Like, Stop. There's There's one focus. There's an audience of one. Let's begin Mm -hmm. aligning ourselves with that each day, each hour, each moment. Which
0: declaration do you think, maybe if I phrase it like, just maybe the people of God, like the capital C church, Mm -hmm. His people, His hands and feet, like which declaration do you think that we should be most Mm -hmm. aware of? Gosh, there
1: are so many. I'm not speaking... (laughs) I know, All of them. So, <laughs> I, them. I mean, all of them, you know, declarations, you know, uh, I am fearfully and wonderfully made on beautiful beyond measure. The power of God mm-hmm. guards my thoughts. The word of God guides my steps. The favor of God rests on me. Worry is not my boss. I trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not on my own understanding mm-hmm. In all my ways. I will acknowledge him and he will make my path straight. And, and so this devotional is really written for the individuals, but if there's one that really calls out the church. Um, And I think it's important to remember right now, it it is uh, this declaration that I think this, uh, first of all, it's really an agreement that some of us have made. And I know I struggle with it as well. I think we all are, but, but it's that statements that we say, Christians are the worst. I mean, you know, it's, it's right now, I, I just, I'm just gonna be honest, like, you don't have to go very far on social media to start thinking that, um, you know, and, right. and, and we, we're falling into the trappings of a polarized, increasingly divisive world. It's bringing out the, the worst yeah. in all of us or many of us. And, um, but the problem is, is that when we join that chorus, we are joining the chorus of the enemy. Um, you know, the accuser is the one who comes and accuses the saints. It accuses the church and it, it accuses the Christians and that you and I, I, I think we have got to break free from that kind of thinking. Um, you know, Jesus tells us of what Christians can expect and it is the healthy who need a doctor. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but it's the sick. He has come to call. Yeah you know, not the righteous, but the sinners. And, and that is you and me. Mm-hmm. And, and in those moments when we want to cry out the church, you know, the church, Christians are the worst. We, we need to acknowledge, no, the American churches, they're not perfect. Uh, some have gone astray, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, the church is still the bride of Christ and our members are still the sons yeah. and daughters of God. And number one, we need to act like that. But number two, we need to drop our stones from throwing stones against one another. And the bride may have holes in her dress. She may have stains on her shoes and her makeup may be smeared on her face. But she is still the bride of Christ. And Jesus has not only just laid his life down for her, but if you look in the book of Revelations, you will find Jesus places him in the self, in the center of the lampstands, which represent, you know, the church and the bride of Christ. And we see that even in the book of Revelation, it's even in that end times unfolding, Christ still uses and places himself in the midst of her. And so big old church, we still are the plan, but as individuals, we've got to act like it and we've got to protect her and we've got to defend her as if she is Christ's bride. And so the declaration is, I refuse to bow to the knee of the accuser. In other words, I refuse to set up my alignment with the one who is accusing the saints and the church around the clock throughout all of time.
0: That's powerful. I mean, really powerful. I mean, for any moment, but especially for this one. Well, as we close, I'm just thinking about because, I mean, you've written so many books. It's unbelievable. And I've only gotten through one. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. So partly I'm like bowing before you at this moment. (laughs) But I do know enough to know that when you write a book, you're so often and you're encouraged, especially me because I was a first time writer, to think about who you're writing this for. And so just as we close, like, as you were kind of going back to these every single day and kind of like, you know, I know you were listening and this came from your own life, which is the best kind of book. Um, but kind of what were you thinking about as far as the listener and who, who I mean, the reader, but also who might be listening today? Like, what was what's your heart and your hope? I mean, I know you've just really said it all, but um, this was just... Incredible to hear about. And I'm excited about reading all these declarations and making them a part of my life. But what were you thinking about for that reader as you were? Yeah, you know, in that this? season
1: of my life, I felt so disempowered. I felt so beaten down. I felt so discouraged. You know, I was thinking, man, there is no way forward. There's no way out. It's only a matter of time till something else happens. It's not good. And I feel like right now in this moment, again, this was written long before the pandemic, we are all many of us wrestling with our thought lives. We're wrestling with these hard news, the chaos, uh, at times the insanity that is happening in our world. And and yet in the midst of that, yeah. Christ rises up through God's word and says, I have something for you to hold onto and that will hold you in this. And, and so if you are out there and, and yeah. you are listening and you are saying, man, it is like a fog I am so stressed out caring for my kids. I don't, I don't have, I don't have clarity. I don't have, it's confusing. I am, I'm beaten down and you need something that is accessible to you. Not something that's going to take 27 hours. I'm talking about 90 seconds a day to say these things out loud and start pushing back the forces of negativity, downward thought spirals and the accuser This is an incredible tool to have in your hands and to tuck away for two minutes to read a devotional and to be like, okay, okay, I got oxygen in my lungs again and I can do this. I think that's what the gift that God had in mind for this moment through more power to you is. And also if you, you know, if you go buy the book wherever you buy it, can I just encourage you real quick? Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all that's great. But right now, if you have a local brick and mortar store and you have an independent bookstore who you can go and order this through or support them, those precious, precious shop owners, they are so important to just to support in any way you can. And, and however you buy it, you can go to morepower to youbookcom and you can download a ton of incredible gifts. Uh, me reading these declarations over you, a video of it, these uh, gorgeous, frameable artwork of these declarations and so much more. And it's all it's all free if you just buy the book and then go to morepower2youbook.com.
0: I so hope that you will get Margaret's book in your hands ASAP and take advantage of all these powerful tools that she's made available if you get the book. Like I said, I'm excited to get my own hands on this. I can't help but believe that as we declare these promises over ourselves that we will end up declaring them over others. And that is a beautiful thing. I'll talk to you soon.